0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome in to a new edition of the Pipeline podcast. As usual, I'm Jonathan Mayo along with Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. and Tim McMaster is on assignment, so uh, I drew the short straw for hosting duties, uh, but helping us out on today's uh, podcast are none other than Jordan Schusterman and Jake Mintz, better known as the Cespedes Barbecue Boys. Uh, guys, How's it thank going? you so much for for stepping in and and, and helping us uh, get through another podcast.
1: We will return Tim safe and sound <laughs> as yes. soon as this podcast
0: is over, we yes. promise. We, I, I thought I heard some some muffled uh, yelling. Quiet, uh, but, quiet, quiet, Tim. He's fine,
2: Tim. He's fine. But we, we wanted to, we wanted to. Uh, I I actually don't know where Tim is, but... Uh, We're glad we get the chance to come on and talk prospects with you guys.
0: (laughs) No, it's it's a lot of fun, and this is uh, long overdue. Uh, Why uh, why we haven't done this before? I don't know, but you know, let's not look behind us. Let's look ahead. Yes. And uh, I know all of us uh, are heading to spring training at various times. Uh, Jim is going next week. You ready, Jim? You all packed up?
3: Not packed, but but ready. I'm tired of looking at snow, and and actually forward to seeing live baseball in person.
0: Yeah, it's 60 degrees here in Pittsburgh today, so I, I'm I'm kind of feeling uh, feeling it a, a little bit, ready to go. But uh, we're all we're all looking forward to to seeing uh, a lot of guys. Uh, Jordan, Jake, I know you guys uh, are, are going to be heading to spring training, and, and and love the prospects almost as much as we do. Uh, and there are a lot of guys that you're curious about. Um, so we could, we could do this as rapid fire as you want, um, if there are specific guys, you know, and, and what roles they're going to play and things like that, that you want to hit on, uh, the floor is yours.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the strongest human being that I've ever said a word to, and the only human being who has ever, uh, conducted an interview with us while holding a workout shaker bottle, that is Tyler O'Neill. Uh, now, the Cardinals' outfield seems stacked right now, and he feels like the odd man out. Do you think he can work his way into the you know the big league outfield rotation for them, or is, is he going to be in AAA
0: all year? I, I, it's going to be
3: tough to get regular at-bats. I mean, with the, with the way Tommy Pham played last year, and, and, and you know, you've got Dexter Fowler, you got Marcelo Zuna. My guess is he's probably going to spend the bulk of the season in AAA. I mean, Harrison Bader's kind of in the same boat, but... You know, he, I'll, I'll second your notion. I don't know if I'd have to think through if he's the strongest player I've ever interviewed, but he certainly uh, there aren't many guys put together more than Tyler O'Neill. And you know, had you know after a slow start last year, he, he got back to doing Tyler O'Neill things and hit for a bunch of power. I, I think on a lot of teams he'd probably be ready. He probably uh, cursed the Marcellos in a trade when it happened, uh, but you know, barring injury, I, I don't know how you'd get him regular at bats right now.
0: No, I, I, I agree with that, and he's the kind of guy who needs regular at-bats, I think. Uh, he would not do well playing twice a week uh, just because of the, the power profile. Uh, and if I'm going to pick a guy between he and Harrison Bader to handle playing all three outfield positions uh, and uh, on part, with part-time play, I would probably lean towards Bader. So I think he probably goes down to AAA and, and if there's an injury, it gives him some, some depth or, you know, he becomes uh, more, more trade bait as the season goes on.
2: Right. right. And, I, and I know he's not quite the prospect that the other guys are, but Jose Adalas Garcia has also spent most of last year in AAA. So I, I don't know how they're going to make room for these guys. They uh, and the Brewers are, are both teams who have too many outfielders. I, I, yeah.
1: I hope they know they can only it play is, three of them. It is good, though, for the Cardinals who don't have a ton of bullpen depth. Mm-hmm. Right, these are pieces you can use in the middle of the season to go go and get guys. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Uh, so yeah, so that's we're going to start, and that's really going to be the theme, I think, of the guys we want to ask you about is guys competing for jobs who have spent time in the upper minors. And uh, one one guy who is, is certainly one of our favorites, and this is actually a whole a whole team of them down in Durham this past year: Brent Honeywell, Willie Adamas, Jake Bowers, uh, all uh, very high on the Rays prospect list. Now, Brent Honeywell, obviously one of our favorite players, we've gotten to interview him a bunch. He's a fantastic personality and a fantastic pitcher. I'm curious with. all all three of these guys who spent most of last year at AAA and succeeded who's going to be the first one of the big leagues jonathan who do you think is brent the most likely to be in the big leagues by whenever the super two cut out, cut off for him or is it maybe bowers since they currently don't really have a first baseman
0: um i mean i, th- I would lean towards honeywell um i guess it depends on on what they what they want to do with what Brad Miller would he be the, the likely guy He's to play listed. first?
2: He's listed right now, yes.
0: Yeah, um, but uh, I, I certainly would love to see Jake Bowers there and let Brad Miller sort of move around and, and get regular playing time that way. Uh, but we'll kind of have to wait and see. I think there's more there's more room in that rotation. For me, for Honeywell to make it, uh, then for Bowers at you know at first, especially if they want Miller to play first, and and Adama's at short, uh, so you know I, I'd, I'd lean Honeywell, uh, but you know then again I thought he might get called up at the end of last year, and, and that didn't happen.
3: Yeah, we all did. <laughs> so they, they really should play all those guys though. I mean, if yeah. I mean they're, they're on this kind of bubble between. I mean, they're going to try to contend, but I mean, they're they're behind the Red Sox and Yankees. So they're really going for the second wild card. They're not going to win the division, and they're not in full rebuilding mode. But uh, you know, I mean, I know they have to watch every penny. But I mean, if you're going to try to contend, I mean, do you want Matt Andriese at the back of your rotation, or do you want Brent Honeywell? Do you want, you know, I just don't believe in Hetchavarria's Hechevarria, bat. I'd play Willie Adams at short. You know, Brad Miller hit 201 last year. Um, and he's pretty erratic wherever you put him in the infield. Um, You know, Bowers is maybe the least ready of those three in my mind, but he's pretty much ready, and and I'd also find a spot and make sure Christian Arroyo is playing too. I mean, they have a number of guys who should be in their opening day lineup or, or their opening day rotation, and we'll have to see. But, you know, I think they're kidding themselves. If they think Brad Miller at first and Hechevri is short, and Matt Andrees in the rotation is the best way to go with the team.
1: And Adames is definitely one of those guys who we've gotten a chance to talk to who has the transcendent shortstop effervescent personality to him mm-hmm. in the way that, like, Lindor has the smile, right, and Javi Baez has the like. He has that same type of juice to him yeah. around him. And and Adamus
2: doesn't necessarily have the, like, explosive tools that some right. of these other shortstops have. But performance-wise, he's still been pretty impressive considering the age and the level. So we'll see. I mean, I, it's, he's it's one of those dudes. He's one of those dudes who's like, I'm going to learn English. Mm-hmm. And he just did it in, what, like two, three yeah. years? Yeah. yeah. He's like, he, fluent at this point. Yeah, makeup-wise, uh, Adamus seems awesome. We'll, we'll see all those guys uh, pretty early uh, in Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay for sure. Um, another guy, and these are... This is a guy who's maybe more blocked, but I, I've been fascinated with his development over the last few years. Uh, Francisco Mejia with the Indians. Now, he seems like a dude who is has the tools to catch. He has one of the best arms in the minor leagues. But the Indians are so set on letting their catchers who have been there forever just keep catching their, their experienced and their very talented rotation. Is Mejia, do you guys think that Mejia... Has a chance to actually develop as a catcher in this organization? I know they've tried him at third, or is he just going to be kind of stuck in quad A, basically, not as a talent, but just kind of going back and forth as a catcher? Some DH at bats, yeah, maybe get some. On. Yeah, exactly, maybe get some DH at bats. Jim, what do you think uh, about Mejia's chances to to actually catch for the Indians this year?
3: I don't think he's going to catch much form this year. You know, it's you know twenty thirty years ago when you know you thought of catchers and you know there weren't framing metrics and. And all that, you know, you'd focus on the arm, and I mean, he has a cannon. But I mean, as a receiver, he's just okay, um, you know. And, and I just think with that rotation and success it's had, you know, they, they want more than than just an adequate receiver at this point. I mean, he's still young; he has time to develop. But I mean, he's not a receiver of the caliber of Perez or Gomes, and you know, it's tough because you know, they, they, we we all know they sent him to the fall league to play some third base. And he didn't play a lot there. And to be honest, he hadn't played a lot before. Uh, you know, it, 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 I, I got a very brief look at him, and he obviously has not played there much. So it's not like, you know, the, his development is, is reached its end as a third base. But based on the look I saw, I didn't think that guy could play third base in the big leagues on the, on the brief look. And, and even if he could, I mean, right now they have Jose Ramirez at third, you know, for as long as they have Kipnis at second. So it's not like you can even break him in there. You've got, you know, they signed Yonder Alonso in the offseason. They have, you know, Encarnacion's going to DH. Uh, you know, they've got a number of outfield options. I think he's probably looking at a year in A this year. And to be honest, it's not necessarily the end of the world for him. I mean, he's only going to be 22 this year. He faded a bit in the second half last year after hitting better in the first half. So I still think there's some development for him to do offensively and defensively. But defense is the question. And, you know, I think he's going to have to make some significant progress behind the plate this year for the Indians to think of him as their catcher in 2019. Because just the fact that they sent him to the AFL to try to play third base, I mean, yes, you know, I think one way of looking at it is they want to get his bat in the lineup. But another way of looking at it is I don't know if they think he's going to be, uh, you know, good enough to catch that staff on an everyday basis.
0: Uh, you're such a glass-half-empty kind of guy. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, get I gave, some you well, I gave you you half empty and half a folder.
0: <laughs> No, no, I guess yeah, I guess you didn't. I, you know, I, I only saw him. I think I, I only saw him once in a game at third, uh, and he he made one really good play coming in where it was one of those. I think he just let the athleticism that he has take over, and that looked fine. And then the rest of the time, even even during infield, uh, it it looked a little rough, knowing that he hadn't played there much. Yeah, you know, like I think they they need to decide that if they want him to be a third baseman, uh, then you know, they need to commit to it and let him work on that and give up on the catching. But you know, they weren't ready to do that. So I, I think AAA does make uh, the most sense. But um, you know, before, before we go any further, uh, we do want to take a second to tell you about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball. Spring training is getting going, which means it's time to think about fantasy baseball. Yahoo has the best experience in the game, and you don't have to only take our word for it because the Fantasy Sports Trade Association has rated Yahoo Fantasy Baseball number one five years in a row. If you want the stats and analysis to run your team like a big league GM or you want to draft, trade, and manage your team right from your phone, download the Yahoo Fantasy app today and create or join a league. It's so easy. It's ridiculous. Even Jim Callis could do it. Download the app or sign up at yahoo.com slash fantasybaseball. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball, the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball.
1: Get roasted, Callis. <laughs> I know. Wow. In the ad. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> yeah, strong. I, yeah,
0: I figured throw that in. Uh, and you know what? Fantasy players love talking about prospects, too. So we can uh, sure. we can get back to talking about a, a few more of your guys sure. uh, that, that you want.
1: Yeah. So another guy who is a little blocked right now, who we love, who also has pretty impressive biceps, is Scott Kingery. <laughs> Scotty Jetpacks. Yes. Now, yes. I know he kind of shot up a bunch of lists last year. Had an, in one of the best statistical years, I think, in all of the minors last year. Now, the Phillies have are pretty set up the middle right now. Cesar Hernandez is actually a very good player quietly, despite not hitting for a lot of power. And obviously, J.P. Crawford is at short, Michael Franco at third. Do you think, uh, what happens if Kingery forces the issue? They have to make a move, right? He seems more ready than the other guys that we've talked about.
0: Yeah, I don't think there'd be a real problem with him. Starting the year uh, in in AAA, right? Uh, he, you know, I, I think that giving him a few more at bats in the minors really would not be uh, would not be a terrible thing. I mean, he, he doesn't have that much time. I know he split the year, but hasn't spent the full year in AAA yet. Um, he turns 24 at the end of April, so uh, there's plenty of time yet. And I think that he will – I think he will force their hand. And, uh, you know, Cesar Hernandez is is fine. Um, but Scott Kingry has a chance to be an impact player. Uh, so maybe Cesar Hernandez is better off uh, becoming more of a utility guy, uh, let him move around a little bit. He has played, uh, you know, a little bit of shortstop, He played the outfield when he first broke into the big leagues. Maybe he can go back into that jack-of-all-trades role. But I do think that by the all-star break at the latest, Scott King will rejoin J.P. Crawford uh, as a double-play combination in Philadelphia.
3: The other thing to keep in mind, too, is if, if, if Mikel Franco has another rough year, you know, Kingery did play a little third base at the end of last year, so it's possible that if Franco doesn't hit again, it's not like he's going to bring a lot of defensive value to the table, that Kingery gets some time at third base and gets his at-bats that way. But, but I'm with you, Jonathan. I mean, one way or another, I, I can't imagine Scott Kingery is not going to be playing a, a regular little role for the Phillies by the All-Star break.
2: So the guys we've talked about so far um, – We've mentioned a few times that probably it's not the worst thing if they have some more time to develop in the minors. Uh, But one guy I'm really curious about maybe has – there are a couple guys. The next two guys we're going to ask about seem to have a very clear lock on the starting job, I would say, going into the season. Uh, The first guy I want to talk about is Ryan McMahon who it feels like he, he went back. He, he's kind of had an up-and-down prospect trajectory with the Rockies, but last year he put it all together. He put up monster numbers in Albuquerque, as a lot of people do. But as this, you did. As, as Yeah, I mean, who, who didn't put up monster numbers in Albuquerque? Uh, but he's a guy, we saw him at the Futures game, and it seems like it's the first-base job for his to lose, although obviously they paid Ian Desmond a lot of money to maybe play first-base, but he was hurt and not very good. Is he the biggest lock besides maybe Willie Calhoun, who we'll get to in a little bit, to start uh, on the opening day roster? for 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 the
3: Rockies well yeah I mean I haven't i guess initially ranked guys as locks I mean I think it, it looks like it's his job to win i mean the, I think you'll see the Rockies probably do like a four man rotation in the outfield so Desmond may get those at- bats in the left field you know is it is it out of the realm possible i mean it, I'm not picking on the Rockies here, but in general, I always think it's kind of funny how based on this small sample size and spring training, uh, you know, against a lot of guys who aren't going to open the year in the big leagues anyway, that, that decisions are made. I, and I was about to say, you know, if McMahon has a bad spring, maybe he goes to AAA. But, I mean, on, on paper, he should be the guy. I mean, although, again, on paper – I'm not sure I would have paid Ian Desmond all the money the Rockies are paying him either um, last season, um, and they're they're stuck with him for a while. But no, I mean, you know, I think the big thing for McMahon is, I mean, here's a guy who, who basically never had any trouble, you know, in the minors. I mean, he hit from day one in the lower minors, and he got to Double A in 2016, and you know, they, you know, I don't know. If part of it is if you look at the Rockies system, almost every one of their farm teams is a great place to hit, except for their Double A club. And when he got there in 2016. I don't know if it was he got off to a slow start, and then he tried to do too much. But I mean, his swing just got way too long and way too uppercutty, and he had a horrible year. And then last year he fixed it, and he went back to kind of being the Ryan McMahon we know. And he and he went to Albuquerque, which, as you guys noted, is a great place to hit. And he hit 374 and, and almost won the minor league bat, overall batting title, and all that. But I mean. You know, I think he's a great fit for the Rockies. I mean, I think he's he could be a good defensive defensive player at first. I mean, he's he's played third, he's he's played second. I think he can hit for average, and I think he, you know, again, that's not our great place to hit. You know, if he does win that job, I mean, this is a guy who might hit, you know, two eighty with twenty homers as a rookie.
0: You know, it also help them having home games.
3: That helped. I think that's overrated. I mean, yeah, it's not easy to never have a home game. But, like, not having home games doesn't make your swing get out. I, I know that, and I'm not picking on you, Johnson. I know that's been used as an explanation, you know, because Hartford didn't have a home ballpark two years ago. But I'm sorry. I, not having a home ballpark doesn't make your swing get long and out of control and, and, and basically terrible, which it was. You I know, think that makes direction. it hard to
0: stay in your routine and eat right and get enough rest. Yeah. They played 140 games on the road. They weren't home. All year, I understand
3: is, is, that. I'm just saying, though. I, I don't think that's. I mean, I think that's an easy thing to say. Oh, that's the reason. Well, how about the guys on that team who had a good year? Like, well, why didn't their swings get long? Why weren't they uppercutting at everything? I, I, I think that it's. Did it help him? No. But I, I just, I'm not buying that. I, I think he just tried to do too much.
2: Yeah, and I also think that whatever the issues were and for whatever the reasons, luckily and, and good for him, he went back and he crushed it. So <laughs> he eventually quelled uh, those concerns. But I, I that that one little blip on the right he also struck out like a crazy amount, which is, I guess, still sort of an issue uh, for Mr. McMahon. Uh, before we get to, to a couple of the pitchers that we want to uh, discuss, uh, we, we got to talk about Willie Calhoun because this is one of the most unique prospects we've seen uh, in some time. He's like I mean, I think he's listed at 5'8", but he might be 5'6". Um, and before you start thinking he's any sort of Altuve type, this is a guy who's pretty much all bat. He's going to be a DH. But with the Rangers, it sounds like they're going to try and just pencil him in the left, and he didn't look awesome last year in left defensively, but the dude's hit for his whole life. Uh, is is this just a situation where they're going to t- hold with the defense and until a DH spot opens up, then Willie Cahoon just going to hit and he's going to play a probably Jordan ugly left field? Jordan
1: spends most of his – Time at work just watching Willie Calhoun videos. So this is
0: <laughs> this is dear to his heart.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Jonathan, what do you, what do you think? Do you think Calhoun's just gonna gonna hit
0: from day one, or is he gonna have any? Issues? He, he yes, uh, he <laughs> is gonna hit, and he's gonna hit some more. And it's and he's either gonna hit enough where you don't notice that he's uh barely passable in left field, uh, or he hits enough where they figure out you know they hide him out there a couple times a week, let him DH a couple times a week. But yes, he's. He is going to hit. I remember when he came to the, the fall league, and you know I'd seen the numbers, and I was very curious. And you see him for the first time, and you're like, okay, you don't see a lot of guys who look like that. And uh, and then you stop what you're doing because you hear what it sounds like coming off the barrel of his bat uh, in BP, and then in every single at bat, I felt that even the outs he made in the fall league, they were all hard. Um, and that was kind of, I know that's a small sample size, uh, and uh, I try not to look at the numbers too much, but just the way it sounded and the way it looked when, when he was taking BP after the end of a, of a really long full season uh, made me a believer in, in the bat. And guys who hit will find their way to, to the big leagues, especially hit like that. We're not talking just, oh, he can hit a little bit. He can really hit, he can really hit for average and power, and I think it's all going to play uh, at the big league level right away.
3: The guy had more extra base hits and strikeouts last year in A, which you don't see too often. And, you know, the left field is, is definitely a better option than second base. <laughs> it's not a great option, but again, I, like Jonathan said, I think this guy just hits so much, you know, it's going to more than make up for the defensive shortcomings.
2: Mm-hmm. And if he does end up, right now the Rangers have uh, Shin Su Chu's contract and whatever is left that he he has left at DH but I would love for Calhoun to become a full time DH because We've never seen a DH look like him. So, uh, I, yeah, I obviously love Willie Cullen, as Jake mentioned. Uh, moving to the pitching side, uh, one guy we have to ask about now. As a, as a Mariners fan, this breaks my heart, but Luis Gohara came up for the Braves last year and was throwing 100 from the left side into the 5th, 6th, 7th inning. Is this a guy that we're maybe overrating because he had such a messy prospect development and then here he is in the big leagues with his, with his second team just throwing 100? Um, is our, is he going to be one of is he going to be the Braves' best starter from the from the jump? I, he seems a pretty safe lock for their rotation. But um, Jim, what do you what do you think about Gohara as as like? I mean, Sayung Young sounds crazy. I just can't think of very many other left handed starters who throw as hard as he does.
3: True, but I mean, I don't think the command is there quite yet. I mean, he's he's a really good prospect and really good long term future. Um, you know, for a guy who throws as hard as he does, he gets hit more than, than he should. I mean, he, he you know. You know, big leagues, you know, I think his, his command got exposed a little bit. I mean, he didn't pitch horribly, but he, he also didn't just blow guys away. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm bullish on his future. I also think when you look at all the young arms they have, uh, you know, I mean, like right now it looks like, you know, Max Fried probably isn't going to be in their opening day rotation. Lucas Sims probably isn't going to make their opening day rotation. You know, uh, the ghost of Scott Casimir, I guess, could push somebody out of a rotation Goodness. spot. I, you know, I think if the you know if Brendan McCarthy stays healthy, we'll see. I mean, that may be a lot to ask, but I mean they have some veterans in there too, and a lot of different options. And you've guys like Mike Soroka, you know, not too far away from the big leagues either. I, I do think maybe he's on a shorter leash than some of these guys. That if he had control command issues early on, that the Braves have other options. And, he, you know, if he, he gets up to a slow start, but maybe he goes to AAA and, and they see what Max Fried can do in the rotation. So I like him. I don't think he's, he's quite fully developed or, or completely polished yet. Um, so I, I guess I'm, I like his future more than I like his present, if that makes sense. You
0: know, the, the thing that's kind of amazing with him is, he, you know, you guys mentioned the fact that he sort of had this bizarre, uneven development path. He's 21. I mean, he's not 24, 25, and so he is not a finished product. I think it was encouraging that he threw more strikes uh, when he got to, to, to the big leagues, but then he was, you know, was too hittable at the same time. So he needs to find that, that balance. The walk rate has, has improved from, from when he first started, uh, and I think that's encouraging. He doesn't need to be pinpoint. Uh, just because the stuff is so good, uh, the, the the raw stuff is so good, so uh, I think he's going to have to find that middle ground of finding the strike zone consistently enough so the stuff plays because big league hitters aren't going to chase like maybe they did at the lower levels, uh, but also knowing that he doesn't have to throw the ball down the middle of the plate. Uh, so uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think he will make uh, he will make the rotation, uh, and uh, and then we'll sort of see from there. I do agree with Jim that. Because they have so many options, uh, they, they could move guys in and out as needed. If he can't do it, you know, Sean Newcomb can't do it. There's Max Freed. Uh, Colby Allard will be in AAA. It's a whole different kind of lefty. Uh, you know, there are going to be some – Mike Soroka will be in AAA, uh, the right-hander. So th- there are going to be a lot of options waiting in the wings so that if one or two of these, these guys with promising futures aren't quite ready. There's not going to be any shame in sending them the triple-A, letting them get straightened out and letting the the best five go. It seems like the type of situation
1: where they could utilize kind of what the Dodgers did last year Mm -hmm. with the DL, how they kind of had guys shifting in and out so often. Right. Yeah. The Braves have too many. We haven't even talked about the lower level,
2: you know, Joey Wences of the world, but they're going to maybe they'll, you know, we're talking about six man rotations. They could do a 15 man. Like if all the prospects pan out, we could piggyback. They
0: could do a piggyback rotation. Oh, exactly.
1: oh yeah. See that. Experiment. Who says no? Yeah. Probably the pitchers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking like I mentioned before, uh, the Dodgers had a lot of pitching depth last year and another guy who shot up prospect lists last season was Walker Bueller. Uh, Even, you know, he got some innings, I think, towards the end of the year. Yeah, he made a cup of coffee. He had like a nine-inning stint or whatever. I think they wanted him to be on the postseason roster. They were hoping for kind of a David Price situation. Mm -hmm. Didn't really pan out. What does 2018 look like for him?
0: Jim, why don't you go first? You do the Dodgers list. I know you're a big Bueller guy.
3: I am. I mean, we liked him a lot going into the draft. And he got hurt his, his junior year at Vanderbilt and kind of pitched through an elbow injury that won on the Tommy John surgery. And, and i would you guys. I think they wanted to give him you know, every opportunity to kind of make that postseason staff. Um, and I just think he was gassed. I mean, this was a guy who had pitched, I think, five pro innings. Maybe he pitched five innings in the Midwest League playoffs the year before. Well, I was coming back from Tommy John, but he pitched almost you know, 100, in, you know, 100 innings. And I just think he wasn't as sharp. At the end of the year, but I mean, in terms of stuff, I mean, it's a well above average fastball. It's a well above average curveball. The slider can be plus. The changeup works. Uh, you know, he throws a lot of strikes. Again, that slipped a little bit toward the end of the year. I think cause he was getting tired. You know, I, I bet he winds up. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on health. Because <laughs> I say you look at this Dodgers rotation, and you know, you got Rich Hill, you got Alex Wood, you got Maeda, you got Rue. I don't know if any of those guys is a great bet to stay healthy for the full season. So, I don't know if he makes their opening day roster, but I just think between his talent, he, he's so good, and just some of the age on that pitching staff that, you know, maybe he joins the rotation in June. Uh, you know, maybe that's a way to manage his innings a little bit too. Um, but I, I got to think he's in their rotation. You know, by the end of the season, he'll be one of their five-star. This stuff's just too good. He, he controls it pretty well also. And you know that he'd be even further along if not for the Tommy John. I really think fatigue was was what held him back last year.
0: I think that's a fair assessment. I think it's going to come down to the you know the veterans that they have and how they hold up and how they're performing. Uh, you know because he missed so much time, and uh, you know, and did seem you know they ran out of gas a little bit. Uh, managing his innings, letting him pitch some in AAA under a more watchful eye, all that is not a bad idea for his for his long-term success. So he's going to be a part of that rotation for a very long time. And, he, listen, even if it's a scenario where he ends up spending most of the year in AAA and, and then comes up late and helps out out of the bullpen, uh, kind of like what they were envisioning last year or hoping for last year, uh, there would be nothing wrong with that. And then he'd hit the, the rotation full speed ahead in 2019.
2: Uh, so Jim, you were listing a, a lot of Dodgers pitchers there, and we didn't even get to you know the Brock Stewarts and Ross Striplings and that that Kershaw guys also decent. But what is what is up with Julio Urias? I, I don't think I don't even remember if he has prospect eligibility anymore. But he's still he just turned twenty one last August. I think he had shoulder surgery at some point last year. It, what do we know his health status or what he's is he going to be able to contribute at all even out of the bullpen in twenty eighteen?
3: Um, good question. I mean, you're right. He, he, he graduated from prospect status, so he winds up uh, being you know, in this kind of weird limbo where he's not a prospect, so we stop writing about him and ranking him. But at the same time, I mean, he's not really an established big leaguer. He's pitched 100 innings in the big leagues, and he got hurt last year. Um, he had, uh, I guess, capsule surgery last June, and our own Ken Gurnick at MLB.com reported um, and at the end of January that he was supposed to resume throwing soon. So it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready, uh, you know, for opening day. I, My guess is, I mean, they do have a number of options. And, uh, you know, I do like Stripling and Stewart, too. I mean, those are two more. You know, my guess is they'll probably, you know, ease him back in. Like, I, I don't think we'll see him. I, I don't think he's supposed to return before May or June. But, you know, I, I mean, there's another guy who – had you know crazy good stuff. I mean potential for three plus pitches and any you know precocious command and you know again it just kind of speaks to the how how tough it is to keep pitchers healthy. I mean here's a guy who was crazy young for his level every year and he never they, you know they managed his innings extremely carefully. I don't think he ever even threw 100 innings in a season. In the minors, I think he threw like 120 between the minors and majors in 16 when he made his big league debut as a 19-year-old. And he still got hurt. You know, there, there was no glaring flaw in his delivery that people were worrying about. So my guess is for this year at least, they will work him back in slowly. I mean, that stuff would play out of the bullpen, obviously. And then, you know, in 2019, you know, you have you, him you know, built back up. You know, he, he has a re- normal off season. He's ready to go in spring training. And maybe 2019 he's a starter. But he's, you know, we, we could almost do a podcast sometime, Jonathan, of these guys who are no longer prospects but who aren't, established big leaguers. I I did a pipeline inbox today, I got asked about Francis Martez and I mean there's another one. I mean he, he pitched just over fifty innings so he's not a prospect anymore but it's not like he's a, a fully established big leaguer either.
2: Right. Yeah, they're kind of, kind of in, in the void, which is a very strange place because they're not established. They're not, they're not busts. We can't call them busts because they're still too young and too talented. But, yeah, Arias is a guy that I was like, oh, what's, what's the deal with him? All right, so we have one final guy we want to ask about uh, before we wrap things up. Uh, this is also one of the most uh, intriguing and, and mysterious, I would say, prospects that we've had in recent memory. So uh, mysterious, in fact, that I may
1: pronounce his name wrong. <laughs> Luis Robber, <laughs> Robert? We're still we're still kind of looking for
2: the. Well,
3: we're going with robber officially. Robber. I- I've heard it so many different ways. Mm. Uh, he's not French, so I've ruled out Robert. L- although that's fair. That L- was L- what his initial pronunciation appeared to be. But I think it's robber, as in like bank robber. Ah, we we need see. Chris Berman to. Give him a, a kitschy nickname, <laughs> well, and then we, we could determine the pronunciation for that. We've
1: been we've been calling him Lou Bob. Yeah, so
2: I, I like it. Yeah, that that, that we're going to stick with that. That simplifies things. But but as as a prospect, uh, this is one of the most strange I mean, obviously, we've seen plenty of awesomely talented Cubans come over, um, but this guy one of one of the last guys to get the the big money before the new rules kicked in. And he he showed up. He hasn't played stateside yet, but he's here now uh, in in big league spring training. And he just could be like now I think we got we had him in in the top 30 on the pipeline top 100. Uh, He's got all kinds of crazy tools. Where do you think he starts this year? And is this a guy that I guess you would assume that he would maybe take some time to adjust uh, to stateside baseball? Um, Or could he just put it all together immediately and and show up and be, you know, be a top 10 prospect next year and in the big leagues in 2019? Jonathan, what, what do you think?
0: I, uh, I, I mean, I could see him being a top ten prospect by next year uh, for for certain, and, and start moving quickly. Uh, I, I, you know, I know he hasn't played here yet, but he it's not he's not seventeen. Um, you know, I don't know what the White Sox plans are, but I would probably send him to Winston Salem in the Carolina League, uh, let him skip over Kannapolis. if you wanted to give him you know a month in Low A just to get his feet under him. Uh, I don't think that'd be a problem either. Uh, you have to always remind yourself that there's a human element of the transition to to playing a full season and playing in the United States. I don't care how talented you are, but I think the talent is gonna is gonna move him up uh, move move him up their system fairly quickly. And if you told me that he'll finish this year um, in Double A, I could believe it. Uh, we have an ETA for him for 2020, and then I think that maybe that could be erring on the side of conservative which is which is fine I, I think it 's extremely possible, but uh, I, I could see him, given his tool set uh, and uh, showing you know, already an advanced field of hit and things of that nature, uh, just getting started that he could he could move pretty
3: quickly i 'm going to disagree with you slightly just in the, for the one thing I, I would definitely send him to low a um, because I mean he struck out at about a twenty three percent clip in the Dominican summer League, which is you know, a step above high school baseball. Um, you know, if there's a knock on him as a prospect, you know, when he was an amateur, it was you know there's a little concern about the hitting ability and the swing and miss. Um, I would let him go to low class A. Also, while he's trying to adjust to the U.S., which is often a huge adjustment for these these Cubans to get a bunch of money. You know, sometimes the off the field stuff's difficult too. I would just let him go to the Sally League and tear it up for for half a season, and then you could promote him to high A. And if you want to expedite his development, you could send him to the Fall League after the season two and then let him take off. But I would probably be a little bit more cautious at the beginning, but I'm with you 100% in terms of his upside. This guy has a chance to be sp- – I mean, he's essentially – if you took Yohan Mankata and put him in the outfield and you only let him hit right-handed – He'd look a lot like Louis Robert or, or, or Lou Bob, uh, which I also yes, think Lou is Bob. the best way to call him. We've got to get yeah, the Lou start, Bob name. I think
0: we're we're going to start using that regularly here on the podcast when we start talking about him. So, guys, uh, thank you for that, and uh, thank you for for stepping in. I, I feel that uh, Tim that may have been Wally Pipped. Oh, <laughs> oh actually, shit. he's he's been Tim
1: McMastered. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fair, fair enough. Right, we'll, uh, we'll let Tim Jordan out of his, Schusterman uh, and yeah. Jake Mintz uh, the the brains behind Cespedes Barbecue. Thank you so much uh, for for joining us. Uh, As always, I'm Jonathan May, along with Jim Kous, and this has been another edition of the Pipeline Podcast.